Hello everybody and welcome to Darker Days Radio. That's right, today is the 13th anniversary episode. I am your host, Darker Days Mark, and I am joined by a fresh stable of young bucks who have joined the podcast and uh, will introduce themselves right now. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I'm Mike. Uh, Everyone knows me pretty well by now. And uh, who else is here? Chris, you're here. Yeah, I've been here for too long. Um, We're also joined by Chig. (laughs) Evening, everybody. And also joining us this evening is uh, Crystal. Hello. Excellent. So, yeah, it's the 13th anniversary episode. We've been going on for 13 years. Um, More or less producing episodes almost once a month, I think. Sometimes more often, sometimes not as frequently, but we've kept going. Um... So this is just a chance to reflect on the last 13 years of this podcast and the fact that a lot has changed in 13 years in gaming, media, and uh, what we do, I guess. Um, Because Darth Vader's Radio has had, I guess, some positive impact on us in gaming. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, we can definitely go over a bunch of uh, listener feedback, listener questions, and other comments that we received. And uh, I think we're all really excited to do that. Um, and of course, we have Mark with us, so we'll definitely get a, a little bit of a chat and update with him, uh, because Mark is, of course, one of the original hosts here of uh, Dark Days Radio, way back in the day. Um, but uh, before we do that, I think we want to talk about a little bit of news, because there's been a lot going on. Whoosh. Uh, Crystal, um, would you like to share any uh, a statement about recent uh, political news? Yes. Yes, I would. Um, So before we all get started with this episode, we wanted to take a moment to address the Supreme Court of the United States of America's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade on June 24th, 2022. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what is best for themselves and their families, and abortion is a basic health care need for millions of Americans of all genders. This decision has far-reaching consequences for every single person in, the, in America. People, not politicians, should be able to make their own decisions about their own bodies. For more information, you can go to choice.crd.co, and we'll have the link in our show description, and consider donating to abortion funds. Look to abortion fund leaders for guidance, and please speak up, take care, and spread the word. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Crystal. That's really important stuff to uh, to discuss. And uh, yeah, a lot has been going on politically. But uh, let's go back to uh, talking about the gaming a little bit. So in the World of Darkness, actually, we had some pretty exciting news just a couple weeks ago, which is that Hunter the Reckoning 5th Edition uh, just came out uh, in PDF. And also, I saw a copy in print uh, just the other day. I saw a photo of it. So that's pretty neat. Um, the new Hunter has basically nothing to do with uh, the 1999 uh, Hunter the Reckoning, um, and you know that's for better or worse, depending on where you fall with that game. Um, and we're definitely going to review it here on the show eventually. Um, we're going to get uh, Pete down in Australia uh, to get on the show and talk about that, and it'll be pretty awesome. Um, has anyone checked out Hunter the Reckoning? Anyone got any uh, you know initial hot takes on it? I think from me, the hot take is I've not fully read it yet. Um, there's some interesting call-outs. I know uh, Orpheus Group is got a section devoted to it in there. Uh, it's spoken about. Um, but I think the the immediate hot take that we're going to have to address, which which is the elephant in the room, which is what is Hunter the Reckoning 5th Edition 
bringing to uh, horror RPGs that Hunter the Vigil hasn't already covered because we had Hunter the Vigil 2nd Edition quite recently. So, I mean, they're both, you know, World of Darkness, White Wolf, uh, Paradox, you know, owned IPs, but I still think it's quite an interesting question to, to ask. Yeah, There's a really interesting... Absolutely. Sorry, Mike. Uh, there's a really interesting uh, Let's Read going on on RPG.net at the moment that's going through the book chapter by chapter. And it, well, it basically echoes what you were saying, uh, Chris, that it seems to have an awful lot in common with Hunt at the Vigil on many levels. Um, yeah, good thing or bad thing, like you say, it depends on how you're going to approach the game, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I wouldn't, I'm not surprised that there is. Yeah, it's entirely up to Paradox and, and the team working on it because they own both IPs and we've seen things come over from uh, Requiem into Masquerade. You know, we have Touchstones, we have um, we have a refinement of disciplines, which I think really comes out of what they did with Requiem 2nd Edition and Rose Bailey's approach to how you design the game uh, for that. And... Um, and I think also the the change of focus in in Masquerade, I feel, it makes it more Requiem like because it's you know there's a lot more factions. So yeah, I mean, I, it'll be very interesting when Werewolf turns up. That's for sure because Werewolf has a lot of um, things to address. Um, and I think this was some things that I was cheeky enough to ask uh, Justin Achille uh, when he was being interviewed for the Rookery. Um, podcast uh for the guys over at the rookery go out and check you know check their uh, stream for that because yeah there's some clearly some work to be done on werewolf uh to make it more uh palatable for today's audiences there were many reasons why werewolf was not the second game produced for fifth edition yeah but yeah i mean otherwise i mean from a cursory glance i think Hunter Reckoning, Reckoning 5th Edition as a book, as a layer, you know, the layer of it. Um, it looks nice and modern, looks fairly easy to read. Um, you know, it, it seems, the art seems quite consistent. Uh, so it definitely, definitely has a look. Um, and yeah, I, I just need to delve into, I've not had time to read and delve into the, any of the particular mechanics for it yet. But, you know, that's why we're going to have a review episode with Pete doing the uh, the, the donkey work of reading it for us. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. Um, so the other big news uh, in with uh, for Dark Days Radio, there isn't anything big gaming-wise out I can think of from, from Chronicles of Darkness or World of Darkness. Um, but for us personally... Um, if you've been a fan of our uh, Warhammer RPG content with the Darkhammer episodes, uh, and through that and through Dark Days Radio, you've you've also found and enjoyed um, the Realm of Fire podcast, which was part of the um, kind of a spin out from Full Metal RPG, which is of course another great RPG podcast. Um, so Brendan and Rob will be joining us under the Dark Days Radio kind of banner, as it were, and bringing Realm Fire uh, over to our feed. And that means, essentially, it means we have more hands on deck to edit, produce, and make content about, I guess, casual wargaming. Because the point is, what we like about it, the hot takes of it, 
Uh, it's going to be mainly about Games Workshop war games, but you know we're all long in the tooth war gamers. We've dabbled with other games, we've played different things, uh, and so there's a lot to be said about how um, you know gaming has changed and um, and how we want to enjoy it because many of us are reaching, <laughs> you know, we're f pushing forty or more and don't have time to play massively long games with massively massively complicated rule books these days so um yeah we're gonna have more of that type of content and i'm sure as the pandemic uh I, i'm not i'm gonna say ends but somehow eases off and i say that while cases increase in the uk but you know i'm sure it'll also mean you know there'll be some we'll have some recordings from events because you know i'm sure i'll team up with rob and say uh and, and go to like warhammer world and other similar events but yeah, it's going to be it has, pretty exciting. It, it, it has definitely not tailed off as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah. That's there's a reason I, There's a reason I've not been to my head office yet. Because they go, oh yeah, the pandemic. And it's like, no, it's still going on. Fuck that. I'm not getting on a train with anyone. No. no. I spent, spent the last two and a half years out of the country, arrived back in the UK, immediately infected. So I'm... I <laughs> Fucking hell! That's why I sound like I've been gargling broken glass. I've got a mild case, thankfully. I'm super, super... But like, it was worth it, right? It was worth it. You went to see Nine Inch Nails? Th three times, yeah. yeah. And we're, wow. Given the, given the incubation period, I don't think I even picked it up at the gig. I took my daughter to the hospital because she had a bad stomach, and I'm certain I picked it up there. So, I mean... Shit. I, I'm not even going to begin to comment on the irony of that, but, yeah, so it goes. Wow. <laughs> Um, was there any other gaming news that we've forgotten, or other important bits? I mean, can I? Can I? Uh, yes, go for it, Crystal. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so our kids' guide to monster hunting is finally out. Um, it has been a very long thing that we've been working on. Um, we've had a lot of uh, stumbles along the way in developing this, and now it is finally, finally out for both print-on-demand and PDF, and um, you can get it at DriveThruRPG. Um, you can go to my social media. I have been linking it, and I'm going to continue to um, pump it up because it is something that I wrote a lot for and developed a lot for, along with Aloy LaSanta from uh, Third Eye Games. So I am awesome. super heck happy about yeah. this. Yeah, Crystal, this that is that cool uh, uh, PIP system supplement where you get to usually play as kids, but they can also, amongst other monster hunting, they can actually like plug in certain monster parts to them to get extra powers, right? <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, uh, there is definitely an aspect of, of uh, consensual body horror going on um, within the game. Uh, but yeah, you can totally play kids that become vampires or werewolves for a couple of days. And the shenanigans that would happen when you're trying to also be a regular kid. It's great. I love that. That sounds amazing. When is that out, did you say? It's out now. Um, you can get it on Drive Through RPG. Ooh, outstanding. Uh, that sounds super cool. Yeah. And I'm going to plug something because uh, there's a Kickstarter soon to begin. I don't, I don't know if I've got the actual date for it. I'm going to try and find the Kickstarter. Kicks, I'm going on to Kickstarter website. But anyway, so the Kickstarter coming up soon is the uh, next release from Private Press for uh, um, Iron Kingdoms RPG. 
and this book will be covering the Nightmare Empire. So basically, it's the Island of Cricks. And if you know anything about Iron Kingdoms, that means it's going to cover the undead and the amalgams of undead with, you know, Mechanica and, uh, and various horrible, horrible things that, that goes on when you do that. So it's going to cover their technology, magic, plus... Um, there's going to be also rules for playable undead. So there's going to be stuff like playable spectres and playable thrall type, you know, you know, physical undead. Uh, I know this because I wrote some of these rules, so it's really cool. Um, basically, I just wanted to write, get, you know, we needed to have playable um, pistol wraiths, which are the, the hottest, um, hottest kind of archetype that you could possibly play from Cricks. Um, so yeah, I, I'm very excited that that's going to be going to Kickstarter quite soon. That sounds really yeah, cool. awesome. Yeah, we'll put uh, links to both of those uh, in the show notes, and uh, yeah, people can go check those out. So I think we should move on over to the main topic of the episode. And I think up up front, we wanted to just check in with Mark because uh, Mark, I think the last time you were here on the show was, jeez. Uh, over a decade ago it's it's been a hot minute so i was trying to remember when it was and i couldn't so that means it's a long time yeah <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm doing well I'm, I'm super pleased to be back on the show and 13 years just blows my mind completely like we were happy to get to 13 episodes back in the day but i mean you guys have just picked it up and run with it and the show has become something far far more amazing than vince and i ever imagined possible so it's just I frequently sit back in, uh, I'm just in awe of of the work you guys are doing, and it's so 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 cool to see. So, um, good job, well done, super super. Uh, love it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah we so I, that. I, yeah, well, well deserved, well yeah. deserved. Um, so yeah, like I mentioned a, mi a little minute ago, I, I've, I've moved out of the UK. Um, I live in Abu Dhabi now. Uh, I work as a session musician there in a local studio. Um, that's nice. I've got a great little gaming group, um, uh, which yeah, we hang out at our place and play Dungeons and Dragons and, uh, and Vampire and what have you. Uh, it's really nice. Um, gaming wise, uh, well, I mean, as people may remember, I left the Darker Days initially to, uh, to to join a MMO startup company called Forsaken Studios, and that worked really well for a couple of years. They didn't actually get their game off the ground. Um, as anybody knows, most startups don't actually come to where they're supposed to be. Gave me a nice little editing career, so that was good for me. Uh, the other only other stuff I've been busy with in the public eye recently is a streaming channel um, called Lawful Stupid RPG. A friend of mine asked me to set it up with him. He's a huge Critical Role fan, so he wanted to be the next Critical Role. And, of course, there's no chance ever of that happening. Um, but we do have a small number of, uh, of games that we run and a great little community that's built around it. Uh, and so I'm basically running 2nd Edition Dark Sun every Sunday um, with them. And that's lots of fun. Holy smokes. 2nd Edition Dark Sun. That's awesome. That's, uh, that's a really hardcore way to play. Uh, Mark, have you, have you mostly been playing D and D and uh, Vampire? You mentioned, or is your uh, your long running Mage Chronicles still uh, having sessions occasionally? Yeah, it is. Um, we're trying to schedule the next the next arc of that. Actually, we just finished a, 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 a techno technocracy characters in space thing that I've been wanting to do for you know like twenty five years, um, and we're trying to get together a Ghost Hunters game. You know, the new Ghost Hunters book that just came out, um, but we're split between. 
Okay, so the UAE and Israel and the Netherlands and the UK and uh, the USA for the on for my online games. So so combining those five time zones together is just a complete freaking nightmare, and it's uh, we're having a bit of trouble with that at the moment. And it being summer doesn't help much at all. Um, but but yeah, I I, I started running a, a, a tabletop vampire game for my local group for uh, three guys who never played World of Darkness. They never played vampire. They knew nothing about it. Uh, and they started off, you know, we had the, the fancy tablecloth and the candles and the atmospheric music. And they were kind of like, oh, this is kind of interesting. And then the next session, they all pitched up wearing cloaks. And then the next session after that, they had contact lenses and fake teeth in. And by the last session, they were in full costume. And one guy had got stage makeup to, make, to do his Nosferatu character. And it was just... So for those of us who've been into, you know, Vampire and World of Darkness for a long time, you, we've, we've all been through that initial phase of, oh my God, this is so cool. It's like the real world, but there's vampires, right? For these, it was just great seeing these guys encounter that concept for the first time and seeing that sort of awakening of joy that comes with these games, seeing all that, you know, their faces light up and, uh, and then come to the realization that it was, it's, you know, just like the real world, except there's undead monsters in it. And it was really, uh, really enriching to see that, that, that it, it still holds that strength over people and still has that fascination. Um, yeah, that was, that was really special. Nice. Awesome. Mark, were you doing 5th edition or were you using one of the older editions? Uh, V20. Yeah, I haven't, actually, I, haven't, I haven't played V5 yet, actually. Uh, but no, uh, V20. Uh, it was like a little, I got like four, four sessions. Um, we actually went through character creation and we hadn't decided where we were going to set it yet. And we, we just finished making up characters. And then one of the guys as a joke said, well, let's set it here uh, in Khalifa City, which is a, like a, a suburb of Abu Dhabi. And we sat back and we thought, you know, 50% of the time it's night here. Sun comes up at six, goes down at six, like clockwork. Um, there's a huge transient population. Um, everything goes on indoors. Nobody ever goes outside. It's all tinted glass. And lots of people can go missing, unfortunately, in the real world. So that translates to a nice you know, um, a setting for vampires. And, and we realized actually that that, that that kind of part of the world would be a great place to be a vampire. And so we leaned really heavily into that, the um, the class divides that you have there and the, the combination of obscene wealth and an awful poverty and um, the impunity of certain sectors of the population. And uh, it just made for some really compelling games. So, uh, yeah, that was something we, we leaned into quite strongly and found it very, very rewarding. Uh, and, and as well as being able to make our own little social commentaries on this um, uh, strange society that, we've, that we all find ourselves living in over there. Hmm. That's quite fascinating, really. Um, it almost requires a source book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'd be fantastic to, yeah, to explore that a bit more. Wow. Coming um, to Storyteller's Vault soon. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, in, in, in the UAE, only 10% of the population are actually Emiratis. 90% are expats from... Uh, there's like a hundred and something nationalities there so there's this this the vast majority of the of the country comes and goes every few years there's there's no permanency um which of course for for a vampire story is that's just gold you know it's that's uh, really interesting material to work with right do we have any other questions for mark about his his time away or shall we move on to our listener questions and comments Actually, before we do that, I think most really more important is before we move on to that, and it mostly will work into some of these questions. I think 
in general, because like Mark, you said how the podcast has continued yet also to to your eyes from the outside has in some respects grown and and done other things. Is there anything that you yeah. feel when you when you saw or heard like, oh, you're doing that now, you were like, that's pretty cool or or were quite like taken about that we've we've moved into that kind of area of, of you know, RPGs and gaming. Yeah, absolutely. Initially, of course, the focus was very, very tight um, on, uh, to begin with, it was actually, I think the first few episodes were all classic World of Darkness. And then we mm -hmm. started to introduce some uh, some new World of Darkness or Chronicles of Darkness as it, as it became branded. Um, but then, yes, yeah, seeing that you guys would step into, say, um, the, the Warhammer or um, various other war games and then various other types of role-playing games, uh, initially I thought, Wow, that's a that's a big gamble. Is that gonna is that gonna continue to find an audience, or are people gonna switch off because they're like, no, I only want it to be about vampires. I don't want to hear about chaos marines. Um, but actually, yeah, it seems to have have just have done wonders because um, there's there's a focus there, or, or should I say, an expertise there that that you guys can bring that's um, that, that's really helped the show. And of course, now uh, uh, podcasts and YouTube channels are, are massively pr uh, proliferated. Uh, so you've managed to find a way to, to, to stand out, retain your audience and, and grow it. And that's been really, really cool to see. Yeah, I think that was born out of, um, I mean, I think it's partly born out of the fact that there's uh, there's a slight slowdown in stuff that comes out from World of Darkness and Chronicles of Darkness, just because of the way the IPs are handled. And I think we'll mostly say something about that with relation to one of the questions. Um, slight, yeah. <laughs> But I think also it's, it's just because yeah. I think it was also just to kind of free us creatively, you know, creatively because there's games like Cult or um, or like the Pip system or, or so forth, mm -hmm. where what we know, what we've learned <laughs> talking about these games and uh, reviewing them and and running them is it's still translatable to many other games. I think it can only enrich your gaming experience, you know. Uh, uh, uh. A breadth of experience has to be a good thing. Hmm. Um, does anyone have any highlights of the last 13 years, then, of, of Dark Days Radio? I'm going to ask Chick first. <laughs> well, I think we can all agree that uh, the show really took off somewhere around episode 50 when uh, a fresh-faced, bright-eyed young me was added as a host. <laughs> um, some, of the, uh, some of the highlights of the last 13 years for the show? Oh, man. Um, I've loved everything. I've loved all of it. I've, I'm, I'm so glad that, uh, you guys asked me to be a part of it. Um, thank you. <laughs> uh, I, st I was just a fan and then I got invited on. It was, it was great. Um, I've enjoyed working with you guys. I've enjoyed, uh, being the Gen Con correspondent, uh, in the years that they had a Gen Con. Um, I enjoyed meeting Crystal and Mike, uh, in person. Someday, Chris. I'm going to meet you in person. Yes, yeah, happened. You've been warned. You've been warned. Um, all of it. I, I can't. I can't pick my favorite. Hmm. Um, Crystal. I mean, you've been on the podcast now for God, how long? Two years. I I think so. No, wait. Is it it's, two years? Is it three? no? I've it's been track. it's been at least three. It's been at least three because I met Crystal at Gen Con before she actually joined the show. And they yep. have, and I haven't been to Gen Con for the last two years, so it's been at least three years. Wow. Yeah, so at yeah. least three. Um, I, 
I would have to say that my my favorite episode was the one where uh, Mike actually interviewed me at PAX Unplugged before I ever joined. <laughs> um, and, and well, it's because I I actually had not heard of you guys. I, I wasn't into podcasts at the time. So I never really listened to any sort of podcasts or was into that scene or anything like that. And uh, being interviewed by Mike uh, kind of opened that up. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. I really like this. Um, so, so thank you, Mike. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Yeah, it was a great memorable uh, episode. We had to, um, we're, we were like sitting in just chairs in the hallway, just in, like <laughs> yep. a dark yeah, we part were. of the convention center, basically. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, it was a good time. And uh, yeah, we're talking all about uh, Vampire. Chicago by night a little bit about pip system mm -hmm. yeah that was a that was a blast um so for the last 13 years geez there's been so much um one of the things I always come back to which I really enjoy about darker days radio is kind of creating the community that we had on shadow nessence back in the day because um, mm. a lot of us were on there uh and you know we used to be <laughs> typing away on that message board for Ooh, hours on end and Excellent. yeah exactly <laughs> it's still out there it's still this like strange ghost is it that, uh, exists but um it's it's kind of nice having that enthusiastic but friendly environment and uh, i think that's i hope that's what we uh we bring to this podcast which is uh just a total blast yeah um oh let's think what would be highlight i mean again i think an obvious highlight was world of darkness berlin because it meant mm. I got to meet Mike in person after like 13 years. Um, yep. And that was 13 years at the time of World Darkness Berlin, which was five years ago. Um, and that was great just to meet a lot of people finally in person who were behind the, you know, the games that we're so enthusiastic about and realise that they're quite... That they're underneath it all, they're enthusiastic about the games in kind of the same way and have some, some similar interest in things. Um, and then I guess another highlight would be, Ooh, I think one of them, I think one of my favorite things has been, and I think, I think many of us can say that is like how is mostly getting to share our, our enthusiasm for role play games and how we kind of approach them, um, is when we get the opportunity to kind of like host kind of, um, panels at particular in people, in person events because um, we've all done that now pretty much whether it's gen con or pax or uk games expo or dragon meet so um and that's always been pretty pretty great um just to get again to chat to other people and and really learn a bit more um yeah there's so many different things um I still get people telling me that they bought kingdom death because of me because i was on because of, because of the uh, on tabletop um videos that we did um for that as well so uh yeah i guess we just got to be grateful that we've had a lot of good team-ups over the past over the past 13 years with other whether it's other podcasts or streaming kind of channels or or creators that's very cool for me i think the highlights have to be i mean because you mentioned the community just now i i remember the initial uh bulletin board forums when it was wgprn <laughs> presents darker days radio um that was kind of fun. But 
actually, if, if I have to pick one thing, it's uh, seeing you guys go from listeners to hosts to where you are now. That's that's just fantastic. I, I can't, you know, I'm not going to take credit for any of it, uh, but it's been really cool to, to, to go from your initial, uh, what was it called, the Darkling episodes, where we would get listeners to send in their 15, 20-minute submissions, and then the handover to you guys as hosts, and seeing that grow and grow and grow, that has just been a great thing to see from the outside. Um, so, so cool. I mean, it's been really, it's really fun, because, I mean, when we brought on, obviously bring crystal onto the podcast and um i think that allowed us to gain a lot more insight and experience on the writing side of things and that's allowed a number of us to also make that jump into writing so it's um i think that's the other thing internally we have a nice little writing commune (laughs) where we both share what we love doing but also share share when it's not going quite as well as we'd like and um and can collectively commiserate about the uh, the joy of freelance writing um but that's what keeps us going right um any final highlights or points <laughs> we'll get into these questions no i think i think that's all i've got um but let's go into the uh, the listener questions and we've got quite a few of them so i think i'm going to read through them kind of uh post questions uh just to make sure that we get through all of these so coming up with the first question from Senile Philosophy, how has the podcast affected the way you run games? Hmm. Positively. Um, positively. <laughs> what? Yeah. I yeah, think absolutely. I think it has made a, a, a strong positive impact on the way that I run games. Um, I used to be, I know this is going to come as a shock to some of you, uh, I used to be very quiet, sit in the back, listen, and go on my turn kind of player, but since joining since uh, starting to listen to the podcast um i've become much more outgoing at the table um and uh i think it's made me uh, a better player and a uh, better uh, storyteller game master whatever you want to call it that's yeah, pretty cool jake mm-hmm. runs some really cool games i played in this fallout game we we're talking about uh what was it your masks game that thing sounded awesome so oh yeah, it's so much fun been, uh, doing some great stuff lately how about you, Mike? Go on, Mike. So, yeah, yeah. So uh, this might be a shock to people, but before Darker Days Radio came out, I did not like Chronicles of Darkness that much. Um, my main complaint was that Vampire the Requiem was too similar to Vampire the Masquerade. Uh, and, you know, it's it wasn't until I started listening to the show and heard Mark talk about how he mixed and matched Mage the Ascension and Mage the Awakening that it kind of, you know, clicked. And I was like, oh man, I can just, they have been printing more vampire for me the last five years. This is awesome. And that really uh, sparked a renewed interest in World of Darkness and obviously Chronicles of Darkness as well, which uh, I've definitely carried forward to this day. That's actually, yeah, uh, that's, pretty mu- that's, that's pretty much what exactly what I was going to say. There's a lot of, uh, I'm, I'm unashamedly a classic World of Darkness uh, storyteller. I love it. Um, and many of the new world of darkness stuff i might not have looked at if it weren't for the fact that i had to review it for the show and then discovered that this is amazing this stuff is amazingly creative it's it's 
uh, the shackles are off. The creativity is uh, the create the kind of creative constraints are gone. Uh, there's a whole new set of um, uh, settings to work with, and uh, exactly like you say, these are things that you're able to fold back into your own games really quite easily. So that was a massive eye opener for me. Um, also, uh, for me, in some in some cases, the 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 stream flowed the other way in that um, there would be like we'd have show notes and then we'd run out of time or I hadn't finished them or Vince hadn't finished them and I was like what are we going to do for this section and I just lift something out of one of my own games and make a section in the show about that and then get feedback from listeners which would then feed back into the game that I was running so there was a really nice creative loop going on there which goes back to what we were saying about about the community it definitely becomes a, a, a two-way street it's very very cool mm. I would say what's affected uh, from the, you know how the podcast has affected the way I run games is most probably when we've run games when we've we've recorded games um, it's most probably influenced both how you articulate to your players the rules to make sure everyone understands what's going on because obviously mm -hmm. if we're doing it for a, for an audience you want to get that across and that obviously eases gameplay. And then the other crucial thing is it definitely affected um, pacing of games because, and that I think had a positive impact about thinking about also how to design scenarios for, um, for demo events and then in turn turning those into pieces of work on the uh, Storyteller Vault. So... It just makes you think about stuff and also think, like, do you really need to delve into that? Is that really important for the game or is that just you as the GM, you know, kind of chewing the scenery, as it were, and and being a bit uh, self-absorbed? Nice. Interesting. And Crystal, how about yourself? Any uh, changes from the podcast? Um, so I actually think the podcast helped me see other games that were might not have um, been on my radar to play or even that I knew about, such as, like, Lasers and Feelings. Like, that was awesome, uh, getting to play that with you guys, even if we never streamed it. <laughs> right. um, uh, the Star Trek that went full Babylon 5. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was It was, was so something. evil. <laughs> but I do also, like, appreciate that you guys... Um, come from a different perspective than where I'm coming from when it comes to games and uh, being able to explain like Warhammer to me um, in a way that that uh, makes me really want to play it and, and actually love the setting and stuff like that whereas uh, any other time anyone's tried to explain it to me it's gotten super overwhelming and I'm like nope I'm good <laughs> Yeah, because it is super overwhelming if you go at it the wrong way. <laughs> Excellent. Um, right, so the next question. Yeah, so Nobleman Nick asks, is there a defunct game line that you'd love to see get a second lease on life? And uh, I'll just answer this real quick. Um, I got two answers, actually. Engel, I think is a really cool game. <laughs> uh, interesting D20 game that apparently in the German version has, uses tarot cards instead of the D20 system. So I'd love to see that. Uh, it has a cool kind of apocalyptic setting. And then also, someone should probably fix Cthulhu Tech because it had sick artwork <laughs> and was really cool. Um, but it's ultimately not very playable. And there's a reason why we talk about it, but never bother to really review it here on the podcast. 
Oh, I'm trying to think of another one. What, what's another? There's another game that's. Um, oh, what was it called? Uh, what's the one where you? It's kind of like Mummy, uh, but it was a it was a chaos immortal game. Sorry, what's that? Not not the one that I thought of. Not immortal. <laughs> um. Oh, what was it? What was it? You you basically like part of the um, Ankaratans. Um, you know, like these entities. Shit, shit, shit. Why can't I remember this goddamn fucking game? Um, but you're kind of like reborn down through the ages. Ah, oh, shit. Amaranthine? Is that the one? No, I wrote for that one. No, it's definitely not that one, because that's oh. not a Chaosium game. Okay. No. No. Oh, Chaosium. Um, what was it? Nobilis or... <sighs> Nephilim? Nephilim? It's Nephilim. Yeah, it's Nephilim. It's Nephilim. Um... I think that that was a game which I remember like doing the character playing character creation for that, and it took fucking hours. Um, but I think conceptually it's really good, so um, it could be. Yeah, it's Nephilim. Yeah, it, it could be great to like reboot that. Um, like, who's it owned by right now? I think it only has a single edition. Yeah, first edition existed in 1992 in French. 1994, it was translated. It was uh, used the Chaosium basic role-playing principles, so yeah, it's a it's a percentile system. Um, yeah, reboot that. There you go. The French version <laughs> of that is gorgeous. The, the original I French version is. of Nephilim is is like a kind of uh, grimoire with leather covers and these aged, faded papers. I think it had one of those turny wheels, didn't it, for character creation? Like you rotate it, and it, it you know it would reveal what stat line something related to. Ah, oh, yeah, massively complicated games. Yeah. Cool. Uh, How about you, Mark? My. Oh. Uh, I can't think of what I've been sitting here thinking. Ask someone else first. Ask. I, okay. I would have said, Kristen, <laughs> you were going to jump in. Uh, yeah. I would have said. To, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. I'm, I'm take a few more minutes to think. <laughs> Uh, mine is actually pretty simple. There was a, a game that I had played with a class of four-year-olds, um, and it was called RAR. And in there, you actually have, you play as monsters under the bed that were um, uh, basically tasked with guarding the child from nightmares that, y that you are under their bed. Cool. Um, and it was such a cute game, and I used it for teaching reading and, like, math skills and stuff like that with my four-year-olds, and they absolutely loved it. Um, and it is no longer, like, you can't find it on DriveThruRPG or anything like that right now. And so I feel really bad, like, always recommending it, because nobody can get it now, but it was a really good game. Ooh. Please tell me they build it as a raw PG. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, yeah. That's a great concept. Okay, okay, I've got one. Um, it's it's going to be the mongoose iteration of the Elric game, you know, which started out with Chaosium and Stormbringer and what have you, and finally mongoose got their hands on it and uh, produced a just brilliant interpretation. And I'm a huge Moorcock fan from back in the day, and they really went in and had a good look at what is this game actually about? What is what are the stories actually about? And let's make the game around that. And uh, it had a couple of editions and then has since died. And I've heard talk of the, there's a French version called Mornblade, and I think there's talk of translating that into English. Um, but 
that's the one I would I would want. Um, no one will play it. I've never been able to ever to get a group together. Um, so that's exactly what I need is another game to sit on my shelf and that I will never play. <laughs> yeah. Spicy. Spicy. I know that people at uh, Formula RPG love Stormbringer and stuff. So maybe talk to them. Maybe uh, they'll want to do something online sometime. Stormbringer is really cool, uh, but it bears very little resemblance to Moorcock's ori- uh, original stories. Um, it's a, it's yeah. a kick-ass game on its own, but yeah, that's why the Mongoose version really um, really hit the buttons for me. But uh, well, there you go. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Cool. And uh, Jig, I think you're yet to go, so what are you interested in? Um, I have two answers. Um, the first is the uh, old West End Games Ghostbusters RPG because, <laughs> darn it, Excellent. I like the yes. Ghostbusters. Yes, yes, <laughs> I, I love the Ghostbusters. I love the system. The timing as it, well. What was the it was, film? It was innovative at the time. It introduced, um, you know, the the Benny, the Brownie Point, the the Fate Chip, whatever you want to call it. That was the first game that had it. Um, like I said, it's a great game. It's real fun to play. Um, and also Castle Falkenstein. Ooh. It's, a it's a Elizabethan-era game where yeah. you are... Yeah. Uh, it's, it's set in an alternate world that has, you know, steampunk before it was called steampunk. Um, it has, uh, the fae and dragons and stuff like that. But when I first played it, I played it when I, when I was, you know just starting to to be into gaming um it was the first game where the point of the game was not to go out and kill stuff and take stuff so it's uh it's more of a a game of you know manners and society i i have some somewhat good news for you i i know that there are some some things that are coming out for it that have been announced for castle falkenstein actually You'll have to tell me more about that later because I had not heard. <laughs> yeah, I have a friend who is is working on that because that's his favorite game line. So well, I've fantastic. got another one which I would like to. I don't know if that I I actually doubt there's a modern version or at least a modern use of the IP because it's because the original version was uh, for GURPS. So you know I'm not going near that. Um, is uh, is um, Book of the New Sun, so Gene Wolfe's um, sci-fi series, because that had an RPG Ooh. thing for uh, in GURPS, but I think it would be a great RPG system or setting, but with obviously a better system. Um, yeah. But Chris, how will you find a better system than GURPS? <laughs> um, easily, <laughs> very easily. Oh yeah, it could do. Sure, it could do anything. You you can't see, but I'm I'm doing shifty eyes right now. Just <laughs> yeah. have you heard of that game? Any of you where you play? A friend of mine had a copy of this. We never played it. Where you play? Where you play like um, like cavemen, um, cave people, and you don't so much have stats as you have a vocabulary, and your character only knows certain words, and all gameplay goes through these. You know, you know the word for fire or monster or or club or whatever. Um, I think it was called Og or something. A uh, little book that would be. I'd love to see a, a version of that again. <laughs> I haven't played it myself, but I did. I think the System Mastery guys reviewed it oh, sometime right. in the oh, past cool. several years. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and Dread, um, the the one with Jenga. You got, you I know absolutely, know. yes. I don't. I don't know if you could idea. really improve on Dread, though. It's, it's so simple. <laughs> Exactly. What no, what I really want them to do is to open it up 
to be an o, um, uh, open license system. Yeah. And, and then be able to have people use it in their systems and uh, like easier. Mm. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah, makes sense. Right. All right. Next question. Yeah. Yep. Jelly Rovers asks. Is Wraith the game that needs a structured campaign like The Enemy Within or The Masks of Nyarlathotep? Oof. This is a... Uh, this Absolutely is not. Because, wow. So Chig comes out with a strong statement right there. We know that Orpheus, though, had its epic campaign. That's kind of the uh, the, the follow-up to uh, Wraith. And that epic campaign is, is well-loved, and people really enjoy that. So... There's definitely a benefit to it. Uh, what does everyone else think? So, so it works for Orpheus because the setting of the game is you all begin play as Orpheus agents and then the story happens, right? It won't work in Wraith because you don't all begin as anything in common except for you're already dead. There's, there's, there's far more choice at character creation for a standard Wraith game than there is for a... Orpheus game, or for a Masks of Nyarlathotep game. Mm. I, I think that applies to all the World of Darkness games. There's, that's, I think that's why there have been so few incredibly successful published campaigns for them. I mean, they, they exist, but not ones that have just become uh, genre-defining in their own right, because yeah, like you say, you could you could play anything. Um, so mm, I would agree with you with one exception, Promethean the Created. There is there is a, a clear there's a clear plot arc structure built into that game. You don't have to play it. You can fall off of it, but it it, it lends itself the uh, the quest to become a real person lends itself very strongly to a structured campaign. I think that's so that's the thing is you've got a you've got clear buy-in because obviously with with uh, Promethean you know you you've got that quest. Uh, I would say a technocracy campaign could easily yeah. be done because you know you're all yeah. members of an agency of, of sorts hunter the mm. vigil can be done the same way um if you establish all the characters of members of a particular conspiracy or compact or you know or at least the, again they're drawn together um you can you can create you can contrive the reason why they're drawn together and then how the campaign likely creates wedges between the characters um i think you kind I... of need that set up I think so what, what Wraith. No, please go ahead, Crystal. <laughs> I, I feel like what Wraith needs is more of what do you do? Because I feel like a lot of people have an assumption as to what you do as in Wraith, and from the um, you know definition of what a Wraith is and what you're creating, it absolutely makes sense. But you can take it further, and there is a lot that you can do within Wraith. And I feel like instead of a structured campaign, what they need is more like um, shorter scenarios, just demonstrating exactly what in Wraith you can do so that a storyteller can take that, plop it into their to their campaign and give their, their players something more tangible than we are all just sad and we, we want to be alive again. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> 
so, so what if you took what if you took a leaf out of Orpheus's book, and given that we're imagining a published campaign, you know, a big glossy hardback or whatever, and you and you put those restrictions in uh, from the get go. So the the concept is you are all you have all died in a particular disaster. You know, uh, an airliner crash or a ship has sunk or or something more unpleasant. You know, or um, uh, or you you have a two or three of these possibilities. So you you start the the campaign with all the characters having a a common bond, um, and they will perhaps all share the same death mark, or perhaps uh, they have death marks that don't correspond to anything. Um, I, I think so. To, as a qualified re reply to the question, I think the answer would be yes. It is a game that needs that. Um, but it's going to have to take away a certain amount of that freedom. It's gonna, you're going to have to put in some restrictions at the beginning, um, re restrict the types of characters that you make, the causes of their deaths, what it is that brings them into the Shadowlands. And then, yeah, like you say, Crystal, then you have a number of adventures that hone in very, very tightly on what are you doing from, from day to day in the Unlife. Uh, that, I think, could work, yeah. Good answer, because that's pretty much our answer to how you construct Chronicle setups for pretty much anything. Is yeah, you know, if the kitchen sink is too big, like then don't don't use don't let players play certain covenants. Don't let them play certain tribes. Like you know, slash it down to make the the setup exactly, much yeah. easier. Hmm. hmm. Did anyone read uh, Ends of Empire for Wraith? Does that have an actual playable story in it, or? Is it more just kind of like the uh, the uni universe explanation and fiction for what's going on at the uh, just before the sixth maelstrom? You, you you say that like those are different things. This is classic world of darkness. So I mean, right, yes, exactly. It has an that's right. And yes, it's <laughs> it does, but it's quite heavily tied into the meta plot. So yeah. Right. So the next question is by Under a Bridge, which is, what has been your favorite part about doing the podcast, uh, Crystal? Uh, honestly getting to hang out with you guys like i i look forward to being able to see people in person again um mm -hmm. hanging out with people i look forward to recording with everybody playing games and stuff like that like yeah the 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 people all in this this group that we've formed are just awesome that's a very good answer that i think goes i think <laughs> everyone can agree with um chick yeah, I, I agree with Crystal. Maybe the real darker days were the friends we made along the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, I feel like we kind, of, we kind of answered this question a little bit before. Yeah. So, uh, sorry, Under a Bridge. Kind of, kind of stole your uh, question before. Uh, so I'll just harken back to the community thing, uh, just being awesome and cool people I'll, under a bridge. I'll also say that from doing... The other thing I will say, there's a lot of, like, skills I feel that we've learned from this which have like I feel have translated into like my my day job and stuff so podcasting has been quite useful in that sense. Uh right, the next question then. Uh Benosuke, I'm gonna say because it looks like it's meant to be pronounced that way. What do you think what do you think the future of Chronicles of Darkness uh will be and how can we save it? Well that's a loaded question. That's suggesting we need to save it. Um, buy the products, review them on whatever sites you buy them on. Talk yeah. about them, run them at conventions. If you, if there is something that you like, create community content for it. 
like the more engagement that you have with the official channels, the more that paradox is going to see that they are having that form of engagement. Yeah. If you if that's what like I don't think there's anything that you need to save. So if if you're looking for something to do to boost that community, that's that would be my suggestion. I mean, a lot's changed in the last five years, six years for Chronicles of Darkness. What with you know the change of license holders and so forth, um, and also the change in publishing model because we don't have the supplement treadmill. There is no need to operate in that way. And that changes the frequency of how books come out. Um, so they come out when they're ready, rather than, we need to get it out now, because otherwise our distributor's going to like go, well, we're not going to distribute any more stuff from you if you don't have any release. Um, it also relates to licensing, because obviously Onyx Path have the license for those games, and Paradox has to do approvals, and obviously Paradox has their own agendas with approving stuff for world of darkness and, and that's their priority because they have they have that with relation to so many different media outlets whether it's computer games tv obviously and and so forth so i think but then we have we have community content and that's a great way of showing your love for those games and um keeping the interest there and the love for it i mean you only have to look at the second edition um clan books that uh, Sam Young has been leading the development on uh, on the Storytellers Vault, and they're they're widely uh, well received. Um, and I worked on the Deva book for that, and everyone seems pretty happy. So I think they need to be saved. I think they just need to be played, and as I said, Crystal reviewed and appreciated and shouted about. I think with community creative content, the genie's out of the bottle. As long as that yeah. license rem remains available. There's no reason these games have to go away. Um, and yeah, I think, Crystal, you've, you've hit it on the head there. Um, look, the, the, the classic World of Darkness came back uh, by accident almost. Um, White Wolf, Onyx Path, White Wolf, I forget who it was at the time, released V20 just as a sort of, oh, thank you. Here's a love letter to the fans. And, and then it took off and then they t discovered there's a huge audience for these things. So we wouldn't have the new lines. We wouldn't have V5. We wouldn't have any of these things um, if that community response hadn't been as enthusiastic as it was and i think that's exactly the kind of thing that keeps games alive uh, engagement from from players and creators and reviewers and so forth and so on yeah totally cool awesome so next question is what's been the best game you have all played slash run in the last 13 years wow this is a pretty tough one uh Oof. <laughs> here I'll, I'll just start I actually I have two answers. Um, on the podcast, I actually ran years and years ago. I'm a little embarrassed about this, but it was such a good game. Uh, we ran Fallen, Fallen is Babylon, which is a Chronicles of Darkness <laughs> Blue Book SAS adventure, using unfortunately the uh, the the World of Darkness um, um, Romani source book. It was I was dared to. It was a great session. It was really good. Uh, a little unfortunate that we used those rules for it, but uh, it was a blast. And that was a really tightly written uh, adventure at that time. Very good story. Uh, and then more recently, uh, I was at PAX Unplugged just last year and ran a really great V5 session um, for some people that just... It was supposed to be a, a four-hour-long game, but they came in and just said, like, hey, we got other stuff to do. Can we just do, like, a two-hour kind of demo adventure? Uh, and I ran it really kind of just off the cuff 
and didn't even explain disciplines. We were just, uh, just kind of explained the basics of them, but didn't use the actual powers. So like, oh, you want to like mind control? Yeah, use dominate, that sort of thing. But uh, just the loosey-goosey uh, roll with the rules uh, was really awesome. Uh, there was one part where the players actually got up and were basically LARPing, uh, torturing my NPC as I was sitting in a chair. So that was um, very memorable and very good. Love it. That's funny. What about you, Mark? Um, okay, so I, I, when I saw the question, I was going to mention that vampire game that I just ran for my uh, my home group, um, but I've already talked about that. That was just um, a joy to see. To see. So I'm going to go with uh, the Technocracy in Space game. We've been planning this for a long time, and uh, it just draws... We, we, we drew on things from the first edition Book of Madness from back in 1993-1994, and all these weird little nuggets of obscure World of Darkness lore and we ran it for, it was a short arc, like half a dozen, six, seven sessions, and it just clicked. It just delivered really well, um, and we looped, we were kind of looping around in the timeline, so the characters ended up becoming the progenitors of Threat Null um, without realizing it, and then took off in their Nefandi spaceship to become Nefandic space pirates, and they were like super pleased about this, and I'm like, well, your, your, your character's all corrupted by the worm now, and they're like, yeah, we've got a spaceship, off we go, wee. Um, so, <laughs> Okay, fine. If you're happy with that, then okay. Um, yeah, it just and we and we sort of had all the tropes. So you you know you had um, uh, like scenes from Aliens where you're running through spaceship corridors, shooting at horrible monsters, and deep deep cosmic horror and mimetic thought viruses. Whereas once you know about it, um, you are infected. So uh, you you can't uninfect yourself without you know reaming your own brain. Uh, it yeah, it just worked out really nicely. And seeing that finally come to pay off after we've been dropping the seeds throughout our mage game for a couple of decades was uh, was very very special. Very nice. I'm gonna pick the game, the session we, the one shot of um, oh, what was it called? What's it called? It was the Wrath and Glory session that I ran that had Fiona, Rob, and Crystal. You played in that one as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, who was the other player? Oh, it was Rob's friend and. It was just, just, it was both completely hilarious and also just absolutely horrific because it just drove home the absolute satire of Warhammer 40,000. It felt like it kind of had an, it had an element of Blackadder to it in a sense with the kind of dark kind of humour that was underlying it all, but um, it was just a really good session and really fun. Um, I think that's one of the fun ones to play. Actually, I'll also I'll also say the the other one I did was um, I think it was Fiona's first introduction to Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, and I ran for her podcast, and it was a scenario that no one died. There was absolutely zero combat in it, and there was nothing supernatural. It the horror the horror was what was the horror? The horror was just he, people being horrible to each other. Awesome. Any other uh, top games from the past 13 years? Um, so uh, one of my favorite games that is also going to be an answer for the next question um, is Cavaliers from Mars. Uh, every time that I've run it and every time that I've played it, it has been one of the most amazing role-playing games that I've ever played. <laughs> so... The last time I played it, um, I was on the Onyx Path channel, and we were playing... I was playing with 
a group from Australia. So I was, it was like 1 a.m. my time when we started. <laughs> um, but I had so much fun actually being a player in that. And I've run it a couple times for conventions and on streams. And uh, the setting is just so awesome. And the, the mechanics all fit so well with it. So, yeah. 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 Rose Bailey is just a gaming genius. Like she yep. does really awesome stuff. And Chig, how about yourself? Um, I really enjoyed playing Klaus <laughs> for our uh, Warhammer <laughs> Fantasy game. <laughs> um, off the show, uh, the favorite thing that I've run, uh, the favorite thing, favorite thing that I've run or played in is always whatever I'm currently running or playing in. So it's my masks game right now. Awesome, awesome, awesome. great to hear. Yeah. So the next question is: What is your favorite non-horror system? Hmm. Oh, also, uh, this and the and the previous question are also from Benosuke. Ah, uh, okay, great. Uh, non-horror system. Um, oh, I can ooh, talk about mine. On that one. What you guys want to think? So, Cavaliers of Mars. Um, it uses a graduating dice system, which means that you start with a d6, and then as you get better in things, you add a d8, and then a d10, and a d12. You roll all of those together, and then you total up the top two dice, and that's your score for whatever you're doing. Hmm. Um, and you can get bonuses by using the environment around you. So it's very much like a Three Musketeers type of style, where like if you want to get up to the balcony, you can either run to the balcony, or you could do something awesome like cut the rope to a chandelier use the, and use the rope to swing up to the balcony and you know save the person that you're trying to to rescue type of thing awesome uh chick do you have a, a favorite um i like the generic systems or the malleable systems like uh genesis or uh fate or um the apocalypse world engine hmm. or pip or Just pip to, you know, pip is, throw pip that is out there. flexible pip is very flexible or, you know, GURPS, obviously, is everybody's <laughs> favorite. <laughs> they can do anything. If you try hard enough, <laughs> technically, <laughs> it can you meet the base, the minimum hard. system requirements. <laughs> oh uh, so I'm going to go with Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. I know it's kind of a horror game, but, you know, it doesn't have to be. No, it's got fantasy right there in the title. It's clearly a fantasy game. I'm going to pick, because it's been recent, but I quite enjoyed what it did with the dice system, uh, is Soulbound. Um, I really like the way you have... You can have a totally different feel of characters due to their the two-way that um, skills are are scored, because I can't remember the terminology for it. I think it's like proficiency yeah, and... focus and... And focus, yeah. So it's whether you ha want to have more dice to roll so potentially more successes or do you have more certainty of getting successes i think that's um it just works really well um any other favorite non-horror systems i mean obviously Torque. we love well i mean it's <laughs> talk of course yeah wait torg or uh torg eternity the new version oh, to, well, yeah torg eternity yeah they're both fine I, I love them both but yeah i'm playing torg eternity same Good call. Good call. Unfortunately, it's a horror system, but we have to give a special prize there for um, Cthulhu Tech. 
because that system is incomprehensible. Um, <laughs> it's, it's comprehensible, it's just not good. <laughs> what, you can't roll fine numbers. <laughs> we can read the words just fine, but making them make sense is just not there. It's so janky, the probabilities. You just have zero way of planning as a GM any difficulties in that game. It's just it's just nasty. Um, right. Um, the next question we kind of did from uh, Benesuke, so sorry we preempted that at the earlier on. Um, so then we have from TJ Wilson, and this is paraphrased, is work for hire RPG business is the work for hire RPG business model still fair to the artists and writers as companies use RPGs as a way of, I guess, cheaply, relatively cheaply, generating IP for their franchise universes? So, for instance, we look at Cyberpunk, where you have the RPG, but you also now have obviously the computer game, and you have the animated series or animated movie whatever that's coming out plus the miniatures uh world of darkness obviously exists in multiple media franchises and there's still the aim to get a world of darkness tv series at some point i'm sure dnd has another movie coming and exists as multiple computer games in some form um scion has a tv series coming up uh or at least it's options um and you, well, it, I'm going to leave Games Workshop out of that because they don't have yeah. freelance writers in that sense. Right. They're, they're they, much they more centralised with their model. Right. They give you healthcare. <laughs> well, no, they, they operate in a country that has healthcare. Um, oh, true. Um, yeah. yeah. But they, oh, do, they, do pay, they do pay um, pay out share, um, you know, bonuses to their staff when over the last few years. So I guess they... Um, they get a tick on that, even though the salary. Well, I'm not going to comment on that. I've got, I've got vested interests, obviously. So I'll move away from comments about uh, wages in the UK. But then everyone's wages in the UK are shit right now, anyway. Uh, but yeah, it's a valid point um, about about this. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. It's. Um... I remember that we talked to um, talked to Sam Chup years and years ago, and we we're talking oh, about the God, book yeah. of Nod, and he was very um not very but he was a little upset that he did that as work for hire and it's been reprinted reused so so much they actually uh renegade just put out another version of the book of nod it's fancy yep. beautiful hardcover hundreds of dollars and i doubt he's seeing anything he's probably not even getting a free comp no. copy or anything so no he you won't. know having your work uh be reused like that and and profited from without any royalties in perpetuity is 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 definitely a little upsetting and that is unfortunate um i think that right now people have realized with this kind of boom of rpgs and stranger things has been popular in dnd fifth edition that uh this is a really cheap ip to go for you know rpg companies like our talsorian are pretty small and you can get these these very fleshed out universes for you know, pennies on the dollar, essentially. And that's definitely driving a lot of this right now. As to the fairness of work for hire, I don't think it's ever been great, you know. Um, it'd be really nice if there could always be royalties. Uh, I do know that White Wolf in the 90s did pay royalties for a few books. I know uh, Satiros Filbrucato brought that up, that there's a few books that he was getting paid royalties for. Um, 
but it, it's very uncommon, very, very uncommon in RPGs. And I think it would be better if, yeah, there were royalties and something like that. Satyros is a great example, actually, for someone who, who, who was instrumental in building the mage setting. Um, yep. And then, you know, um, can't afford to fix his car. Uh, in the last couple of years when it breaks down. I think it's awful. Uh, you know, legally fine, you've signed a contract and capitalism, blah, blah, blah. But fair? Fuck no. And uh, when when our questioner says, uh, is the business model still fair? Yeah, I agree. When was it ever? I don't think it's, I think it's inherently unfair. Um, what strength the word fair has in the market, I have no idea. I, I It's not a, it's not something I have to encounter as a as a, as a consumer, um, but uh, I think yeah I think it's you you can just look at the Marvel the cinematic universe now where mm. they they did pay some of the creators um, uh, a small amount you know and by small I mean I I want to say it was like five thousand dollars or something each which compared to what those films bring in is. It's laughably small. So yeah, that's catering for up to three days on set, sir. <laughs> right, right. These people <laughs> did invent these things and continue to invent these things and do dream them up. And whether it's happening under contract or not, um, no, it doesn't make it fair. Not at all. Right. I think that's a, a solid, <laughs> a solid stance for us all to have on it. I mean, I mean, this yeah. also gets into the whole, whole thing of just you know just compensating writers appropriately um you yep. know and and balancing that against people that think rpg books should be cheap and you know if you compare similar size books in the sciences for instance um rpg books would cost double the amount if you were going by that measure by that metric um yeah it's a it's gonna have a reckoning at some point, of course. I mean, on the other hand, you know, with print on demand and digital, I guess writers can get their stuff out to a wide audience without relying on companies so much. Um, so there's there's definitely opportunities there. Right, I guess we move on to the next thing and then we can wrap up. Uh, the top secret frequencies. We asked you what were your top secret frequencies, and these are in no particular order. And one of the, some of these I can't remember. I didn't go back to look them up, so I will start. And Mike, I guess you can fill me in on briefly what they covered. Skull Cult of Naples. Um, oh, <laughs> what was that classic, one? Classic, classic. Yeah, Mark did this one ages ago. Uh, basically, there was like a, some catacombs outside of Naples. And the locals yes. would go there to talk to the skulls of their ancestors and like ask for the lottery numbers, ask if like a marriage would be good. Maybe they would, um, you know, make love in front of them. You know, people got into weird stuff back then, and uh, it was definitely ripe for ideas uh, uh, for the world of darkness and other horror games. I think also those tunnels were used as um, shelter during World War Two, I believe. Might be. I'm sure oh. I've watched a show recently with relation to that. Um, okay. Cool. I'm looking for the sh I'm looking for the show notes right now on that in my phone. <laughs> I can't find it. I can't find it anywhere. Damn it! Sorry. <laughs> Lost to the uh, the digital ether there. Yeah, yeah the episodes are there though, so uh, we we can link some of these in the show notes. Actually, that'd yeah. be fun. I can link the old episodes. Uh, then there's the classic, which is the radio markers number stations. So this is the radio broadcasts from unknown stations, and they're producing just random 
what seemingly random or not random bursts that translate into a series of numbers or or signals um yeah so yeah. do they also have voices on them as well i can't remember yeah so for that well, episode one of the cool things we had was there's a recording which is supposedly a uh uh soviet uh, female cosmonaut apparently burning up on re-entry and we actually put that in the episode. Um, it, this is supposed. We don't know if it's actually real. It probably isn't. But uh, there's some really spooky sounds on that one. Yeah. Um, Robert the Doll is the classic. Because Robert the Doll is sinister as fuck. Um, whoa, 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 don't, 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 be rude, don't, don't be rude about him. He can hear you. Well, he, he has Robert a sinister aura, apparently. Um, don't worry, I've not Sorry, been... He's we, been... We don't, we don't mean you. We're just... Be, it's only if you do it in his presence. Um, but okay, yeah, Robert sure. the Doll, Robert the Doll um, has featured in a lot of stuff recently. I think um, the Ghost Adventures crew. I can't remember if they've had him. Be, they've definitely been in the presence of it. I don't know if they put it in the presence of um, the other notorious doll, Annabelle. Um, I've got a feeling there's something weird they've done there. And there's a film. Do you recently... want to get the spawn of Chucky? Because that's how you get the spawn of Chucky. There's a film recently that is called Robert the called Robert or something, which again features the doll. Um, you, you know, crappy horror films just be, love scary dolls. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. I mean, My this is the doll watches, that if you're in the. She, oh, go on. She, she watches Buzz uh, Buzzfeed Unsolved. Is it? I think. Uh, right. Uh, some some kind of show where the guys go around um, looking at unsolved mysteries, and she keeps writing into them to for them to go and see Robert the doll, and they haven't. Because they're not. They're stupid. scared. They're scared. It stops. <laughs> Robert stops. Pacemakers, be. cameras fail, all that stuff. Um, then we've got Hearts Island. What's Hearts Island? Again, I don't remember this one. Yeah, that one was. Um, it's an island just outside of New York City. It's the Potter's Field, essentially. So all oh, yes. unclaimed bodies are buried there. And um, I. Th ooh, this is unfortunate recent events but i think they buried a lot of people there during the uh the height of the coronavirus uh, pandemic as well oh of course yeah i think didn't they set up i think they set up tents though didn't they yeah um yeah i mean just i mean if anything if you go back and listen to that i guess it's uh the lesson learned from that is that people don't learn lessons almost uh about mm. about things about how we treat people how we deal with uh, pandemics, diseases, or how we treat um, the disenfranchised or the poor. Um, yeah, Skinwalker Ranch again. That one you can go watch a Ghost Adventures episode, I think, of which is so. This is a ranch out in I wanna say Nevada. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, and this is a place that has a lot of spooky stuff going on, like whether it's aliens or is it the is it spirits related to indigenous people or other horrific things that have happened in history in the United States? Apparently there's also a TV series with it. Oh yes, there is. It's a bit like that one where they keep digging on that fucking island trying to look for treasure. Oh god, They yeah. just seem to make a series that goes on and on and on and on. You're like, okay, it's episode 12 and you're looking at this sm the, the smidgen of like what apparently is evidence and yet they commission another series because it's cheap because everything has to be reality tv um yeah um <laughs> uh yeah okay 
And then top episodes, uh, we have here. We've got was it was it was it who who put the um, Geist of Sanitas episode up as their top episode? Was that Nick? Uh, yeah, that was Nick. Yep. Yep. Um, so that was the first episode he ever watched. That was our Geist the Sanitas setting review. That was a pretty good episode. Um, there's the also the Alien the Hidden uh, <laughs> April Fool's <laughs> episode. Yeah. Um, fantastic. Do we have any other favourite personal episodes? I'm just shocked that Alien the Hidden was anybody's favourite episode. <laughs> I can tell, tell you why, Chig. I'm very I, proud of it, don't get me wrong. <laughs> shocked. So, so I, I pride myself on, like, knowing a lot of the history of World of Darkness, like, not just, the, like, the, the in-game, but also, like, the out-of-game, like, the actual real-life stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was totally like, yeah, this actually sounds like this could be legit. <laughs> 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 like, I was like, I, I submerged myself into the belief of, oh, heck yeah, this is actually, like, this could legitimately have been a game that they propose, and all of this stuff is actually plausible, given the stuff that I know about what actually happened in real life. I'm like, yeah, this is totally plausible. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> No, Excellent. our writers made that one up. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Um, wow, there's just too many. Uh, I've always enjoyed interviewing David Brookshaw. Uh, and always the classic Dragon Meat episodes where I have to, um, <laughs> I have to edit the, the noise of the coffee machine and cafe out of the back background noise that's always a challenge um but they're always fun episodes when you've got like um you know almost like three or four people sat around just chatting about uh games um that's always been fun episodes i love the first time we got to interview malcolm shepherd because it turned into a three-hour kind of mage fest where vince just had to sit there quietly (laughs) and listen to me and malcolm (laughs) geek out about mage um but if i had to pick I can't even remember what episode it was. And it was a secret frequency where a a friend of mine in my gaming group just pointed me to a story about people living in the sewers and storm drains of Los Angeles. And, uh, and I was going through it and trying to think of ways to make it fit the world of darkness and, uh, what, how maybe this person's a vampire and this person. And I thought, no, fuck off this. These are all real people. Uh, And actually a lot of the secret frequencies are drawn from real world things, but this was so immediate and so intimate and so personal and all the stories that, that were coming out of these articles that I was reading to do the research were, were so, uh, um, well, they were heartbreaking um, that, that what we ended up doing was just kind of like a mini feature on, on the plight of, of, of these people and the, and the situations they have to live in. Um, and uh, you didn't need to set it in the world of darkness at all um, because it was fucking horrible enough in our world. Mm-hmm. And I remember it being a, a, a real... Um, a real eye opener that uh, you you kind of have to be a bit responsible and sensitive and and don't just use you can't just use all these things as fodder for great games all mm. the time blind blindly you know you have to exercise awareness and um, I remember that being a real turning point for me uh, uh, just as a, a a person who wants to use inspiration from the real world uh, a way to it brought it home to me that. Um, that it's well, that it's real, 
and you yeah. uh, do need to have a bit of care with that. And I think that's um, I think that's really important. And we can see lots of that, you know, in things like okay, World of Darkness, Romani, as you said, is a great example uh, uh, of of how perhaps not to do it. Uh, um, the the book on the Shoah is has a you know a reputation of being a better way to handle it. Um, some of the stuff that happened in the early days of V five might then again swing mm-hmm. in the other direction as perhaps perhaps not do that. Uh, so. Uh, um, yeah, these are things that I think it's always worth keeping in mind when you're when you're playing with the real world in the way that we do. Yeah. Right. Is that all our favourite episodes covered? I think it might be. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, is that I, we're now at close closing this up? So, um, other than that, I think Mike, it's fair to say we still got more stuff to record. <laughs> like, there's always more yep. material coming out that we're going to review. Um, the fact we've got the guys from Realm of Fire uh, joining Dark Days Radio is great because I'm sure people like Rob, people like Brendan uh, have things they insight onto horror RPGs and roleplay games so there's going to be a, uh, some good content in general so things will go both ways for all the different shows um, yeah unfortunately it's two more white guys <laughs> the podcast but you know we will try and address that with our we try to address the diversity at least i hope i feel like we hope to do that with the hosts we've had uh, not hosts with the guests that we have on um which is more important because they're the people making games and getting their voice out there and um getting getting their view of the world uh represented through the games that they make um and any other final comments from anyone uh, again, thank you to Mark for turning up uh, when you feel ill uh, to record this. That, thank you so much for having me on the show. Hopefully I just sound kind of sultry and sexy and not like a disgusting <laughs> snot monster, which I actually am. Um, it's been it's been super cool to be uh, to be on the show with you guys. Um, lovely to meet you as well, Crystal, virtually at least. Uh, and, yeah, same. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I'll see you in another 13 years, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> Great. Um, anyone else want to chime in with any final thoughts? No, I'm good. Nope. I think we cut. We're all good. We got stuff to do. That's why. <laughs> um, fine. Uh, with that said, then um, you can obviously get in contact with Dark Days Radio by emailing us at darkdaysradio at gmail You can find us on Facebook. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Dark Days Radio. You can find our streamed games and streamed uh, episodes of Signal Black on YouTube. You can obviously watch us live on YouTube when we do stream and uh, you know, we're recording Signal Black or our streamed games. Uh, and of course, you can head over to our Discord to you know, converse, chat with other people that enjoy these games and share interesting things like secret frequency files type content that you find. If you go over to uh, the Storytellers Vault, of course, you can find the variety of things that we've produced collectively together there, which includes all the V5 scenarios and secret frequency files and other books like that. And all of the links that we've just spoken about, you will find in the show notes that goes with this episode. And of course, you can listen to this on all your normal streaming places like iTunes, uh, Spotify. I think you can find it on Google. 
on Amazon. I can't remember. But, you know, it's the same deal. Um, but that's everything, I think. Yep, it definitely is. Uh, thank you, everyone, for being here for this very special episode. Really appreciate it, especially Mark. It's always an honor. And, um, yeah, here's to another 13 years. And thank you, of course, to the listeners, because uh, we wouldn't be here if, you know, guys weren't interacting with us and giving us like tips coming onto the discord giving us uh your opinions your hot takes and that kind of stuff so we really appreciate that so i guess to the listeners out there take it easy and have a good night This has been an episode of Darker Days Radio. Special thanks to Occam's Laser for the intro, outro, and new bumper music from their hit album, Nine Circles. Check out the rest of their work at occamslaser.bandcamp.com.